Welcome to the Dwell Church Sermon Archive. Dwell is a family defined by the love of God and committed to giving it away. Here is this week's message. Today, I want to talk about creativity. These are undoubtedly creative times, and people are coming up with creative solutions to the problems in our world all over the place. Mayor Hancock just uh, started a homeless shelter at the National Western Complex. How cool is that? Jimmy Fallon is shooting The Tonight Show on a cell phone at his house. Parents are becoming homeschool teachers. Lego is building face visors at one of their plants. And people are making homemade face masks out of old bras. What's more creative than that? And here's what I think. I think it's going to require, for us to make it through this season and to even thrive through it, it's going to require a lot of creativity. And I believe that all creativity actually comes from God. Now, I can back that up by saying, if you look back at the, gener- at the Genesis creation narrative found in Genesis chapter 1, you see where God creates the entire world, and then he creates mankind. And what's interesting about that is that uh, we see God creating the whole world, but we don't really get any backstory to him. In fact, if you're reading through, the only thing that you know about God up until this point is that he is the creator. That's the one attribute that we know about him. And then it tells us, the text tells us, that God created humankind in his own image. Meaning that if the one thing that we know about God is that he is a creator, then the one thing that we know about ourselves very early on from the creation of the world is that we are made in the image of a creating God. Therefore, creativity is actually an exercise of the part of us that looks the most like God. So when people make things and when we uh, think abstractly, when we're able to sort of dream and think outside of ourselves, when we're able to conjure up ideas in our minds, that's actually a part of us that looks something like God. He gave us that ability. He distinguished us from the rest of creation in that we have the ability to create. We can make Notre Dame, and we can write Jane Eyre, and we can even come up with SpongeBob SquarePants. Now, you may, uh, you know, regret that a little bit, that you're a part of the same human race that invented that, but you have to admit, at the end of the day, it is creative. And it's all a part of this whole package that God has put into human beings where we look like we are in His image. Now, combine that with the fact that there truly is nothing new under the sun. So first off, we're creative in the same way that God is creative, but also there is nothing new under the sun. Now that's both a biblical idea and a common sense one. Follow me, if you will. Uh, There's this show called Peaky Blinders where this lady tries to infiltrate a British street gang and uh, become one of their members and then actually starts to like and eventually join the street gang for herself because she becomes has a relationship with one of the leaders, right? Now, does that plot line not sound eerily familiar to a beautiful film called The Fast and the Furious? Now, I'm not talking like the 17th one, but in the very first one, that's exactly what happens to Paul Walker, right? He joins this street game trying to be an undercover cop, but then uh, ends up doing the same thing. Now, prepare for your minds to be blown. Because there's a little film that's a hidden gem starring uh, Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, and Gary Busey, of all people, called Point Break. And if you were able to take Vin Diesel and switch him out for Patrick Swayze and take uh, surfing and switch it in for car racing, you would have the exact same film as Fast and the Furious. There's probably hundreds of others. And I say that not to take anything away from those things because they're all fantastic. I say that to say 
we're actually, even when we're at our most creative, we're actually just building off of what has come before. There really is nothing new. We're all making variations off of the things that already existed. Solomon knew it in the Bible, and we see it throughout our lives today. Nothing is really new under the sun. So if the ability to be creative comes from God, and everything that we could possibly come up with actually trickles down through creation, that nothing is really, really new under the sun, then all creativity comes from God. In our story today, Jesus has already died and risen from the grave, and his disciples go back to what they know. They're like, Jesus is gone, so I guess we need to make some money and figure out how to live now, so they decide to go back and go fishing. So a few of them load up into a boat, and uh, they're fishing and fishing and fishing all night and not catching anything. And Jesus shows up and tells them, hey, if you want to catch something, you're going to have to cast your nets on the other side of the boat. Now, uh, I think at this point, they're probably listening to this strange guy on the shore because they don't even know it's Jesus yet. And they're thinking like, okay, this guy is maybe not so smart, right? Like he's just a passerby and he's like, hey, uh, maybe you should try the other side of the boat. That'd be good, right? Uh, and I'm no scientist, I have admitted this many times before, but it seems like if you've been fishing all night, you're not failing just because you're on the wrong side of the boat. In fact, I actually uh, drew a little diagram here, and uh, hopefully you can see that really well right there. Uh, so, as you see, water down here where the fishes live, uh, that's one spot, and then we're up here in the boat where people are. Uh, for the fish, this side of the boat? Not all that much different from this side of the boat. You follow me? Right? Okay, good. Maybe you got that. But here's what they do. They try it anyway. Maybe sort of precognitively they somehow knew it was Jesus. Maybe Jesus just had that authority that when he told somebody to do something, they did it. Uh, but either way, they try it and they pull in more fish than they can actually haul into the boat. They do this strange and bizarre thing, and because of that, they like can't even barely haul it to shore. They have to just pull the net alongside as they like paddle the boat to shore. Now, uh, I know it was like had to feel kind of silly to them, right? It had to feel kind of strange. There were probably a million reasons, like the fact that they had been fishing all night and they were already tired, that they should not have done this. But instead, they chose to take this sort of creative and random solution to do it to actually do what Jesus said, and because of that, they were able to haul in the fish. I think that tells us a lot about us today. So here in our story, we have this example of Jesus being creative and teaching his, or showing his disciples a new way to do something, and because of that, the yield of fish was unfathomable. So for us in our day-to-day, -day, I think we're having to sort of dream up, hopefully inspired by Jesus, new ways of doing things. This is a day that calls for creativity. It's a day that calls for you to be creative. Think about it this way. You are you. No one else is. No one else has the same backstory that you do. No one else has the same uh, strengths and weaknesses. No one else has the same gifts that you do. No one else has your capabilities to do the things you do. And no one else has the network of people around you that make up your life. You've been given a very specific role both in society, but even more importantly, in the kingdom of God. And there's also a, pro a problem. In fact, there's a lot of problems. 
Right now, it feels like the problems are closer. They're more present to us. People are lonely. People are sick. People are worried. Uh, people are losing jobs. People can't leave their house. Some people can't go back to their house. Uh, people are running out of the things that we need. And most importantly, people need Jesus and may actually be looking for him right now in this time and not really knowing where to look. So I think what you have to do, and I think what all of us really have to do, the task there is to find this odd sort of cross-section between the specific person that you are and the specific calling that Jesus has put on your life. And then, all we have to do is be committed to take that first step. In fact, the first step is actually choosing to take that first step. It's in saying, like, Jesus, I want to be a part of your creative solution-finding process for the world. And that's actually like a really clunky and long way of saying his bringing about of the kingdom of God, of which if you are a follower of Jesus, you are already a part. Jesus, even now, is working through the minds and hearts of his people to be kingdom people who are bringing little slices of heaven here down on earth and doing that through creative solutions. The most important step then, therefore, is actually letting Jesus be your guide. Now, I know it might be a little bit muddy to actually borrow this term, but I'm going to do it anyway. I want to say that uh, it's actually important to let Jesus be your muse. Now, uh, it was originally used in ancient Greece, and playwrights and artists and sculptors, uh, they would think of having their inspiration coming from someone outside of themselves, and they called them muses. There were actually nine uh, goddesses who uh, were daughters of Zeus, and they were basically over all of the arts and all of creation and creativity and stuff like that, and they would inspire people. Uh, and while I don't really adhere to Greek mythology, you should know that about me. I'll just come out and say it, right? Zeus can come and get me if he were actually real. I, don't, I ain't scared, right? Uh, I do think that they were onto something really interesting here. And I think it's the same idea I was trying to portray earlier. The creativity doesn't actually come from inside of you. It's not this sort of outflowing of all the, you know, unique and special things that you are. It's actually a gift from God, both in Him inspiring us through creation, inspiring us through the Holy Spirit, inspiring us through His Word, and even working through the somehow, like, uh, inseparable alliance between our mind and our soul and the, the beautiful sort of capacity for abstract thinking that He has given us. All of that sort of, like, mixes up together. Uh, to be an outside-of-us kind of inspiration. It's not coming from right in here. It's coming from somewhere else. And so I think the, the sort of, like, initiative, the effort that we have to put into it is to recognize that we're not really creating as much as we are receiving. And we have to step back from ourselves, from our own selfishness and pride and efforts and abilities and thoughts, and actually let Jesus be our muse. If you have a problem that you can't solve... Look to God. Spend time in Scripture. I know that sounds a little bit like a, you know, kind of Sunday school answer, but I believe that it is 100% true that God has given us in His Word everything that we need to be able to live out this life. And in enlightening His Word and like opening it up to our understanding, He's given us something even more important, and that is the Holy Spirit. God's goal is bringing about his kingdom here on earth. That has always been his goal. It was the reason that Jesus died to begin to usher in that kingdom. He has always been about that. 
And our goal is to be a part of that kingdom work. And we do that sort of in two ways, basically. One is in announcing that this kingdom exists, announcing that Jesus is actually on the throne and not us. And the second way is actually by working to align the world to the kingdom of God, to the way that God always meant for it to be, how he designed it to be. And I'll say this. If that's all it is, announcing the kingdom and then also aligning the world to the kingdom, if your problem that you're thinking of even right now, your problem that maybe you are uniquely set to solve, if it doesn't fit within that purview, it's probably not even a problem worth solving. Because at the end of the day, if we're not uh, making our world look a little bit more like the kingdom of God, if we're not letting people know that Jesus loved them and he died for them so that he could bring about the kingdom of God, then what are we truly doing? What is the point? And I'll say this, when God does give you that solution, when God does show you that path, that problem you are uniquely set to solve in his kingdom plan, it's probably going to be a little bit odd. Prepare in some ways not to understand. See, the disciples had no idea why they should try the other side of the boat. They didn't even know that it was Jesus And in the same way, you won't necessarily understand all the time what God is calling you to do. And we need to be a little bit okay with that. You know, for me, uh, I always am trying to, like, be so smart that I don't need God. To, like, think and work my way out of a dependence on God. I want to be so capable or so creative, when in fact, what I should be focusing on is to become so in tune with God, if He's the source of all creativity anyway, that I want to be so in tune with who He is that I hear His direction, and then I want to be so submissive to Him that I follow it no matter what. That I don't have to wait until I understand every step of the plan before I can actually begin following it. That I don't have to wait until God's plan agrees with my plan before I can actually do what he is calling me to do. At the end of the day, we need to prepare to be uncertain. Doing something that has not been done before or doesn't look the way that you think it's going to is going to be an uncertain act. For me, the older I get, the less I like this. I want the guaranteed win. I want the easy path. I want the path that everyone has taken before. I want a replicable formula, but life doesn't work that way. And for us as a church plant, we know that maybe even better than most. But what's great is we are in good company with that. And I think, uh, actually, Scripture gives us a sort of like good example of what that looks like. There were guys throughout the Bible, uh, men and women, who were following God, seemingly walking into and through failure before God actually brought about what he wanted to bring about. Think about Moses. He shows up, he hears a burning bush, God tells him to go back to Pharaoh, and he says, let my people go, and then Pharaoh sends him away immediately. No, that's not the way it works. Moses has to send 10 different plagues. God working through Moses sends 10 different plagues to Pharaoh. And each time Moses is coming back saying like, okay, Pharaoh, you ready now? God said that you were going to let the people go, but you haven't done it yet. Pharaoh says no, another plague. Think about this. Uh, They were at, at the Battle of Jericho where they walked around the city seven times before the walls just fell down before God. You should check it out. You have some extra time to read right now. It's a great story. Joshua is leading the people around seven different days and they're just marching and blowing trumpets, and nothing is happening. Are you really going to tell me that day five, half those people weren't like, why are we doing this? This is dumb. We should bust out the swords. That's an easy win. 
Think about prophets and other like speakers for God. They were all too often rejected and dismissed and ignored in their own time. I say all this to say uh, that sometimes following Jesus actually looks like failing by the world standards. In fact, we actually follow a Savior who had to die to achieve his uh, purposes. That, like, never happens. That's not a part of anybody's, you know, best plan ever. But for God, that was the plan always and forever. We always want to lean on our own understanding, on our own ability, on our own capacity to create a plan. Because that seems to us safer. But I think at the end of the day, if we really, really sat down and thought about it, if we spent our lives and only achieved what one feeble human being could possibly do, we would end up achieving very little, or even achieving much, but standing back and saying, what was all this for? What was it all about? When instead, the alternative is jumping in on God's plan, no matter the outcome, no matter if we understand or even like the results, but knowing and following Him in His plan, so that we might be a part of His kingdom work that He is enacting throughout all of history that's so much bigger than us. Being creative with and for God is very seldom the straight and easy path. But it leads to the only place that matters, and that's the kingdom of God. The world is definitely being creative. There's millions of examples of that. But I am looking at you, church. Now is our time to step up and to be creative and to see the problem that is facing the world that you were uniquely made to solve and to see where you fit in this kingdom bringing about that God is enacting throughout all of time and through this time that he's called you specifically for. You know, what's interesting is uh, being a Christian makes you a part of the global and historical church. And that means that we can stand side by side with brothers and sisters who have been long dead, uh, who have faced things that are similar to this. I actually stumbled across a Christian, or actually a, a plague, really, in uh, the year 250, and it was called the Plague of Cyprian. Cyprian was a bishop uh, in Rome at the time, I believe, and uh, this plague was like reaching across the Roman Empire, and uh, Cyprian was a bishop, and he was there, and he was preaching, and uh, he was preaching to his people, and actually got a plague named after him, which I don't know if that's really good or bad. He actually got that because he has some of the best historical accounts that we have of the plague. He actually included this line, this zinger, from his sermon, all right? Are you ready for this? This is in the middle of preaching the gospel. He says, that the intestines are shaken with continual vomiting, that the eyes are on fire with the injected blood, right? It's uh, really, really dark, and that was definitely not even the grossest part. I believe he uses the word putrefaction at one point. But here's what he did. He made a name for himself by doing what no one else was doing. Everyone else, they have all these accounts of this. They're fleeing the cities. They're trampling over their neighbors. They're abandoning dead bodies on the side of the road. They are just running as far away and hiding from this plague as best they possibly can. While Cyprian and his fellow Christians are in fact doing the exact opposite and stepping in and helping those who need it. He says this. This is sort of another part of that, you know, uh, fire in the eyes sermon. He says, what a grandeur of spirit it is to struggle with all the powers of an unshaken mind against so many onsets of devastation and death. 
What sublimity to stand erect amid the desolation of the human race and not to lie prostrate with those who have no hope in God, but rather to rejoice and to embrace the benefit of the occasion that in thus bravely showing forth our faith and by suffering endured going forward to Christ by the narrow way that he himself, Christ, trod, we may receive the reward of his life and faith according to his own judgment. Church, I pray that even in the midst of this time of social, uh, uh, social isolation, uh, separation, social distancing, that God will be showing you even right now creative solutions that are attached to His heart for all the peoples of the earth so that you may not flee, you may not run in terror, you may not lie prostrate as those who have no hope, but you may follow Jesus in His suffering for those around you. And that may look like a creative solution for your neighbor across the street, or it may look like you're solving the shortage of face masks across the planet, or it may look like you're a scientist working in a lab to find a cure. Whatever that is, I believe God has a creative solution for each and every one of the problems that may be facing us, and He has placed you in your particular sphere of influence to be able to take part in solving them and bringing about His kingdom. I love you guys, and I am so excited to see the creative solution that God works through you. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. We hope it brought you closer to Jesus and more in touch with the world around you. Being a Christian in today's culture can be hard. Fortunately, he gives us the gift of community through his church. So we would love to invite you to join us for one of our Sunday morning gatherings or for one of our weekly small groups. All the details you need can be found on our website, dwelldenver.org.